Well, all right, ladies and gents, boys and girls from around the world, welcome back to another show. It's going down, so you know. 99 Pod, it's not 1999 anymore podcast. And you know what we do here on this show because we do it all the time. All right, we are entering our prime. And that's the scary part about what we do. And um, it's going down today. Obviously, a loaded, loaded, loaded show. And even though it was rainy in New York City today, it's really sunny out here in the sports world because we have a lot of content for you on today's show. I mean, last week we had to scramble, you know, for content and topics, but it came a little bit easier today. And I'm looking forward to that. We were talking Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and the running back market that seems to be disappearing right before our very eyes. We may have a time, all right, watching the NFL where the running back position is no longer a thing, okay? Look out for that. We got some NBA talk, and Bede had some very interesting, polarizing, fascinating comments, okay? We're going to talk about that. We got a take for 99, and trust me, we're doing just fine. Before we hit that intro and before we play that music, you know the drill. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel to get the notifications that we have coming your way. And speaking of way, salute to my man Zay, my guy Zay, here on this show who's not here right now, but it's his birthday today. So, you know, he got the day off to hang around and hang around family and um relax and enjoy the good vibes that today has to offer him. So salute to him. And um, I'm looking forward to him coming back on the show in the next show. But, uh, man, enjoy your day. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. 99 parts sauce right now. All right, I'm going to pass over the mic to my guy who's in the building, my co-host of this show, Zach. Zach, how you feeling, my guy? What's going on? Well, doing well. Happy to be here, as always. And I think you made a lot of really good points uh, in your intro to start us up here today on the 99 Pod. Wanted to give a shout out to our guy, Zay. His name literally is Good Vibes. So, you know, as you said, he's enjoying all of it. Uh, happy birthday to our guy. Love working with him. Hoping to get him back here shortly. But I hinted at this last week a little bit. It really started to hit me like, okay, that change in the calendar, it's pretty sudden. It kind of comes out of nowhere, but all of a sudden it happens quickly. And we're already uh, towards the mid to late end of the month of July. Uh, training camps in some places have already started. You've seen a couple quarterbacks, a couple rookies report. I'm actually going to be heading back out to Jets training camp on Sunday. They're one of the first teams that start because they're going to be playing in the Hall of Fame game, that preseason game coming up before the normal first week of the preseason. So I'm really looking forward, really excited about that. But man, this is really one of the first shows in a while 
that not only it was pretty easy for us to plan, you know, the headlines spoke for themselves, but also it's pretty football heavy today. And that's the thing I'm excited about. The season's going to be here before you know it. I'm hyped to be here. Like and, like and subscribe, like you said, and let's get it. Absolutely. We might as well get it in. Speaking of the NFL, right? The big conversation right now in the NFL today is the running back market. Okay. As we all know that the NFL running backs have made their points across on social media following the Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, you know, um, tag not being signed at the deadline to long-term deals. So just to kind of re-up on some of those comments, I'm going to read some of those comments out loud before we proceed with the question. I have some of those comments here. They are very alarming as I'm buying this time. Okay, I have a few of them right now, and we are going to start with Derrick Henry. You know, he said that I'm um, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game. Then Austin Eckler, this is kind of trash that has official um, artificially, excuse me, devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everybody knows it's tough to win without a top running back, yet they act like we are discardable widgets, right? That's um, Austin Eckler there. Jonathan Taylor, if you're not good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, you boost the organization, and then it doesn't matter. You're running back. So that's just to name a few. Obviously, a lot more. Najee Harris said a few things as well. The running backs are really in a limbo right now. So, Zach, as you see at the bottom of the screen, does these NFL running backs have a point defending their positional value? Yeah, well, I wanted to start off by saying when it hit me like, wow, Barkley, Jacobs, and Tony Pollard, none of these guys – are going to get the contracts they were looking for. They were going to get tagged. It really hit me like, wow, we were kind of ahead of the curve with this topic. Of course, if you remember a few weeks ago, we discussed right here on this very show what the deal is with these running backs and if they were going to end up getting the money they think they deserve. And I'm not really shocked about the fact that none of these guys got paid because we now really have a precedent in the NFL in terms of the question, like, does this work or not? If so many teams have such a strong opinion like nope we're holding firm we're not going to pay these guys there has to be a reason why and i dug up some evidence and uh i hinted at this also a few weeks uh, a few weeks ago when we discussed this but the leading rusher for the last eight super bowl champions go as followed the chiefs they won it this past year isaiah pacheco seventh round pick sony michelle with the rams he was cut from the patriots they got him from the on the cheap the duo of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. You know, Ro Rojo was not a first-round pick. Leonard Fournette, he was cut by Jacksonville. Damian Williams, Sony Michelle, LeGarrette Blunt, two years with the Patriots. Ronnie Hillman, Shane Vereen. We have clear, concrete evidence that it's the teams that aren't necessarily investing a ton in the running back position. Those are the teams that win Super Bowls. And honestly, I don't necessarily feel like this is going to change until we see a team that is paying a running back a lot of money win the Super Bowl. So the question on the other hand is, what happened to the teams that did decide to invest big time in the running back position? There's a few really good examples. We look at the Rams signing Todd Gurley to a four-year, $57.5 million deal. How did that work out for them? How about my New York Jets signing Le'Veon Bell, the guy who really started this movement of Running backs as a position, we're getting underpaid. The Jets gave him four years, $52 million. He was only in New York for one season. The Cardinals, they paid David Johnson three years, $39 million. How did that work out for them? They, I mean, they got DeAndre Hopkins out of it. That's pretty good. But they decided 
uh, to move on from him rather quickly. And of course, the one we all think about is the Dallas Cowboys paying Ezekiel Elliott $90 million over the course of six years. And he's no longer a Dallas Cowboy. We know how that worked out for them. But let's get into the individual cases here. I want to give a shout out to the New York Giants, Brian Dable and Joe Shane, because I give them a lot of credit for staying pat. And one lesson I've really started to learn is when you have some success, as soon as you get to a destination, if you're a head coach, if you're a GM, that is really valuable because it gives your owner a reason to believe in you as a decision maker. And that is a huge key to winning. The guys like Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Vrabel, the guys that are not only the head coaches of their teams, but also the guys that are making all the organizational decisions, they got to that position by winning a lot of football games on the field. And Brian Dable, that's exactly what he did this past season. He really gave his owner, John Mara, belief and reason to trust him. And I just feel like if Dave Gettleman was still running the New York Giants, they would have paid Saquon Barkley a ton of money because he's the biggest name in the franchise. When you think of the New York Giants, you will think of Saquon Barkley. And if Dable and Shane didn't have the success they had in year one, I just feel like John Mara would have committed to Saquon. But the Giants, they listened to their head coach and GM, and now they won't be like some of the teams that I just mentioned that paid those running backs all that money. If they really wanted to pay Saquon, Dave Gettleman shouldn't have given Kenny Galladay all that money and Leonard Williams all that money. They're paying those guys a combined $47 million. So I do think that there is a clear reason why, as unfortunate as it is, I really sympathize with guys like Austin Eckler and guys like Derrick Henry because they are among the best running backs in the leagues. The issue is it's pretty clear that having a good running back doesn't necessarily translate to winning a ton of games. I feel like the clear strategy is draft the running back, play him right away. If he's good, just just tag him one time and then let him walk, draft another running back, and the cycle will repeat over and over and over again. So I give the Giants a lot of credit. I think they played this really nicely. I wouldn't want to be committed to paying a running back a ton either. So to respond to that, right, obviously this question is a very – very debatable question a very how can i say it a very i don't even say debatable because a lot of people tend to remain on the same side of the bracket but it's very controversial and very i don't know i don't know the word i'm looking for but it's very unique polarizing there we go i'll use that word right polarizing and to answer the question I, i do think they have some legitimate arguments right because when I look at the game and I look at controversial topics like this, when we get the more controversial we get in a topic that we bring on the show is the more my brain is going to expand beyond the measures that a lot of people see. So you don't want to test those waters. Like if you want to do a show with me and you don't want to be ducking for cover, keep everything, you know, minimal, but Hey, here we are. Like this topic is very controversial. And I think for me, I think, I do know, like, I do know how the NFL works, right? Trust me. I know how the NFL works. And I understand that you don't need that elite running back to win a Super Bowl, right? I understand that the days of the bell cow running back is probably over. You have the running back by committee. I get it. I understand everything and how the game works, okay? Sometimes I feel like I invented the game, to be honest with you. That's how much I've learned over the years of watching the game. But to the flip side of it, 
I mean, we have to realize that um the running backs have gotten screwed over the last couple decades. I mean, when you reflect back, and I know I talked about the CBA, I don't even want to talk about that CBA. I want to talk about the other CBA, the 2011 CBA, right? They came down because of the lockdown. They came down on the holdouts, okay? So they kind of stricken things there. And then on top of that, they did one thing that put the running back position mostly at a disadvantage. They will move the, all right, after my second year, I can get a long-term contract. They upped it to three years. Now you have to play three years in your rookie deal to get a long-term extension. Now, nobody was thinking about running back then. I'm not saying that the NFL strategically made that change to literally box running backs in, but who got the brunt of that? Common knowledge. What position doesn't last that long in the NFL? Running back. So, of course, right, that will be a luxury to have knowing that, okay, after my second year, I can get a long-term contract and I can still be in my prime. And by the time I'm in my last year, maybe I'm out of my prime or closing in on the back end of my career. But that's valuable. A year difference makes a whole lot of difference um, when we're talking about running backs in particular. And then on top of that, we do get to the 2020 CBA and, and um, the NFLPA and the NFL we have to remember that the franchise tag is a whole nother animal. The NFL is the only sport that has that. Okay. And that was, you know, bought in 1993 last year or two years ago, 2020, 2020, three years ago, right? They agreed to it. They agreed to keep it in the collective bargaining agreement. Why? How does that benefit anybody? Right. Especially, you know, obviously running backs now. Right. So I think when you talk about, everything from a broader perspective and just looking underneath the surface. And the only thing I can say to that is if they go back the other way and, and maybe in 2030, and that's why I said last time that maybe 2030, we can get that happy medium because maybe they can go back to the old way where you can get paid after your second year. We know that's obviously not going to happen. I'm just, you know, throwing out hope here, or maybe in college, maybe you do change the eligibility for running back specifically to, all right, do two years of college instead of three and go to the NFL. Something has to change. Otherwise, who's going to want to play running back anymore? You're going to have coaches strategically placing people at running back because nobody's going to want to be a running back for a high school team or college team. If I'm a dad and I have a kid with all my knowledge, okay, me talking on this show about the running back position, I'm telling him, do not be a running back, okay? Somebody is either going to have to force him to be a running back. So we're going to have situations where teams in high school, peewee, okay, college are going to be forcing people to play that position because nobody's going to want to play it no more. You have to make that position more valuable. And how you do that, you have to come to a happy medium and change a few things to make that position more valuable. Why do that when I could be a quarterback and get paid? Why do that when I could be a defensive tackle and get paid, right? Why do that when I could be a wide receiver and get paid? So I say that to say that, yes, I understand how the NFL works. I understand why we are here having this conversation. But at the same time, I can see why the running backs are disgruntled right now. And to me, they have a legitimate argument. Yeah, I think it's tough because it's not like having a really good running back necessarily hurts you on game day. But over the course of the long term future, we have the evidence that shows us that a lot of the teams that have made those decisions to invest highly in the running back position haven't necessarily won a ton over a sustained amount of time. Now, 
The question is, I know you suggested some ideas. Uh, I think changing the college eligibility, entering the draft, that's really interesting. Another one I heard, which I kind of like, is if a team signs a running back almost like in baseball, they get like compensation, like get maybe give them like a second or third round pick. I'm just trying to figure out, is there something immediate that could happen in order to try to fix this? Because I do think that when it comes to the running back position, their value has just changed over the course of time. And we got a comment from our guy, uh, John, coming in right here. Um, to my guy, John. Absolutely. It's just, it's just wild, like how quickly things change, but that's the evolution of the game. And, and that's what makes it so great. So were there any other immediate changes you thought off the bat that we could kind of put in here to maybe help these guys make a little more money? It was, you know, the two I mentioned about the, you know, the, ability to get another contract in your rookie deal um instead of increasing that decrease that like i think that helps running backs specifically obviously that's not going to happen because you have all these quarterbacks right and the main thing here is these quarterbacks they take up a large amount of the salary cap number one because they get those contracts and as the cap goes up the quarterback you know goes up too so uh, you know they're going to want to take advantage of that rookie deal that's what it comes down to too the team building, like that's literally how the NFL revolves around the quarterback and him being on his rookie deal. So the cheaper he is, the more likelihood you got everybody else being able to get paid. Once he gets that contract, then you talk about the salary cap. Now guys, you know, going to have to get released or cut or, or traded, whatever. So I, I think, you know, it's going to be hard because teams are not going to want to change that eligibility. They actually want to want to increase it. So, you know. I, it's hard for me to really say. The only thing I can say is from the collegiate level because the college, you know, when you talk about college or running backs, the prime of a running back's career generally really is in college in his first couple years in the NFL. So if you can allow them to go straight to the NFL after their sophomore year, that helps them out because now they can um, have a few good years and they can reach that contract. Like they can try to get a long-term contract. But once again, you have the franchise tag, which is like a, it's like literally, it's basically team control. I'm going to tag you, right? And when you play that game of tag, when somebody tag you, you're it. You know what I'm saying? You got to run. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing you can do. You got to run if you're playing the game. So once they tag you, you're on the team. And that's where we have these situations. When you talk about Josh Jacobs and you talk about Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley been in the league six years now. It's going to be a six-year. Um, year. Entering right, I'm um, Josh. How many entering year seven? So he's, he's entering, entering year seven. No, no, you're, you're right, you're right. My bad. Okay, year six, right? He's yeah. entering year six. Josh Jacobs is entering year five. They get five, six years. I understand it wasn't you know all because they were hurt, but they've been in the league five, six years. They get tagged, they're out of their prime. What long term security are they going to get? God forbid Saquon Barkley gets hurt. Where is his long-term security? And I understand the team is like, listen, that's not my business here, right? But I could understand from a legitimate, logical argument why running backs are feeling the way they do. And they all use a lot. Think about how important, and you talked about Brian Dable. Obviously, Brian Dable's name is going to come up a lot. We got our coaches list coming up soon. But you talk about Brian Dable. You talk about Josh McDaniels, first-year head coaches. Josh Jacobs was very important to the Raiders and Saquon Barkley was equally as important to the Giants with those first year head coaches that were dealing with unproven commodities at quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, I'm, now that um, I've had some time to read over this comment from John, I wanted to address something he said. And I think this could be, in Saquon's situation in particular, this could be a huge key. So our guy John said that he thought Saquon was the most valuable player on that team. He said that he thinks Saquon is the most valuable player on the Giants. And clearly, the team doesn't agree with him because both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley were both free agents, and they decided – to give Daniel Jones the long-term contract, the long-term security, and they decided to wait on Saquon Barkley, and they decided to tag him. And I do think a big reason for that is because we have evidence that with the quarterback position, that is the most important position on your team. It doesn't matter uh, where Daniel Jones compares to some of the other great quarterbacks in the league. It's does he give you a chance to win? Does he get, uh, get you a chance to go to the playoffs? And he won a playoff game last year. He had a really good year last year for the Giants, and they said, you know what, this is more valuable than a running back, and I hate to say it, but I kind of agree with them. You know, you could say that overall Saquon Barkley's the better football player than Daniel Jones, but I don't think he's more valuable. I think having that quarterback that could win you games is more valuable than a running back, and I know Saquon is the biggest star on the New York Giants. He's the biggest name, but this is why I wanted to give their team a lot of credit, because if Dave Gettleman was running the New York Giants, if uh, Pat Shermer was still the coach. If Joe Judge was still the coach, I feel like they would have get, paid Saquon a long-term contract by now. And I just feel like when it comes to the running back position, these guys don't consistently have great year after great year after great year, unless your name is Derrick Henry, who is uh, exiting his prime years right now. So I do think it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, I don't think Saquon's the most valuable player on the Giants. I think Daniel Jones is. Now, we're going to talk about the Giants and Saquon, obviously, in a couple minutes. We have a subtopic. I do want to get back to, you know, the talking about the value, right, of the running back real quickly here. Because to feel my argument here, right, when you talk about the value or, you know, positional value, you could literally make the case that running backs are valuable. And I'm going to tell you why, Zach. We see more running backs getting drafted in the first round than ever before. I mean, obviously, we could talk about Leonard Fournette a couple years ago, number four overall, 2017. Saquon, who we just talked about, former number two overall pick, 2018. Um, obviously, last year, B. John Robinson went eight overall. Jameer Gibbs went 12 overall because there's an advantage there. There's value in that. There's value taking a running back that high. Why? Because we get to run them into the ground. There's a lot of flexibility. I can get four years out of you of your rookie deal i can tag you and i can ship you away that's value it's value in team building so what i'm saying basically is that the league has made the position not valuable right because they want to make it valuable to their own benefit the cheapness of having a, a running back is easier to build a team when he's cheap so that's why these teams are investing in these running backs with in the first round, literally two went in the top 15 last year. Two. that has, I don't believe that has ever happened. If I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It happened last year. So there's some value there, right? Why take B. John Robinson, Atlanta, when your defense is trying to be on a come up? Why? Your defense is not great. Yeah, you added some pieces, right? You traded for that dude, Jeff Okuda. You made some other, you know, um, pieces and moves to the defense. But um, clearly, you're not a finished product. Why draft him for? What you need him for? You got Kyle Pitts, right? You got Drake London. You got all these cats over there. 
right? Mac Hollins, who almost had a thousand yards last year. Why draft B. John Robinson for? Why draft Jameer Gibbs, Detroit? You talk about why? Why? You had a running back that led the league in touchdowns last year. Okay, last year. Why draft Jameer Gibbs with that high of a pick? You had DeAndre Swift. I don't understand. So if there's no value, then I, I don't know if I could fully agree with that. If there's no, you know, there's no value in the running back position. Clearly there is. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's convenience value. Right. I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, I do think, of course, having that guy that you could rely on to run the ball is really key. But at the end of the day, there just aren't a lot of guys that will age that well enough to earn that contract. That's the thing about Saquon. Like you said, it. he's entering year six. Usually we see these running backs at their best when they're in year two, year three, maybe even year one in some instances. And with Saquon in particular, also, I brought this up last uh, time we did, we hit on the subject is like the thing that scares me about him is the injuries. Like he had a great rookie year. He was great this past year, but the three years in between wasn't really great. And I just, I can't blame the giants for not committing to him. Like, do you, I, I know um we're, we said we'd focus on the Giants a little bit later, and we want to focus a little bit more on, uh, you know, the position overall as a whole. But how do you feel about the way the Giants have handled this? Like, do you think that they really screwed Saquon Barkley? Like, do you, would you have done it any differently? Like, how, how are you feeling about that? I mean, it's fascinating because um, I'm a Daniel Jones guy in a way. I have him ranked number 11 and, um, in my quarterback ranking. So clearly I believe that he brings a level of value especially with his athletic ability. Um, Brian Dable, I like him, clearly. Um, you like him, clearly. So, you know, you would think the Giants would be in good hands, but losing, I'm not saying losing, because we don't know what Saquon is going to do, right? We're going to talk about what's yeah, next like, in a few minutes. Do you think but, there's any chance he doesn't play? Because I, I think he'll be on the field week one. Um, You know, that's up to Saquon. I, I don't know. Maybe if I had to guess, probably. But um, who knows? Maybe down the stretch he'll pull a... Uh, a fake injury or something like that to get his money. I don't know how that would work out to get his release. I don't know. But um, I would say this. The fact that they were a couple million away, like one or two million away from getting something done is embarrassing. Literally, you couldn't get a deal done because you was one or two million away. I believe that the final offer was $11 million that they offered him, which is literally a dollar, a million, you know, um, from the franchise tag, basically, right? The franchise tag is $10.1 million. They offered him $11 million, right? And then he wanted, I believe, 14 or 15 or something like that. They should have met at 12.5, something like that. Or, uh, you know, um, the first offer they offered him was like 13 or something like that or 12, something like that. They could have met at 13.5. They could have met at a common medium. So the fact that they didn't get nothing done is embarrassing. If I was Saquon, I probably would have took the money that they offered me because at the end of the day, like, we know what's going to happen. Like, they're going to tag you and what you're going to hold out, what you're going to play. Ah, right, you play, then guess what? You're probably giving them your best, your last year of your prime on a tag. Then you're going to be cooked goods. You don't play, you don't show up to the camp, and you hold out and pull a labia on bell, then guess what? Your career is over. So, yeah. you know, honestly, there's no way that you can look at this and say, anything was a win from the running back perspective. Even if it was a couple extra million that he could have took off the table, yes, either way, it still wasn't a win. Like, it's just, I right, do you want a couple extra dollars or 
does that make the difference? I don't I'm, know, man. I'm saying it's a win from the Giants' perspective. I feel better about the way they handled it compared to if they would have given him the bag. And I think it's important to realize, like, yeah, would you say that they offered him, like, 10 or 11? That isn't great compared to the highest paid running backs in the league. But the key is they're, they offered him, like, what, a three-, four-year deal? So if you're a running back and you're getting paid that money in the long term, like, for the next three, four years – like, I think it could be way worse. And I do think ultimately the solution is going to be changing things up in the CBA. But at the end of the day, like the players did agree to this. They agreed to the franchise tag, you know, so they have to their number one focus during the CBA negotiations. were getting as much days off from practice as possible so they could spend more time with their family so they could spend more time on vacation. Maybe they should have just focused on, you know, making themselves a little bit more money when they came to these negotiations. Yeah, and that's when you have to make sacrifices, right? You have to go on strikes, right? If you have a lockdown or a lockout or whatever, yeah, it's going to impact your pockets on the short term. But if it's the way to go to get the rights that you want, then you need to go that way. And they have to stick together. The thing that I like that I'm seeing, right, and um, I would like to see it more from a broader scale, is that these running backs are coming together, even the paid ones, even the ones that got their money that really didn't need to say anything. They're speaking out. So they got each other's back in a, in a sense. And they need to continue to have the backs of the future backs that is going to come into the league, dominate, help their team win, and have to deal with the same thing. If you're looking at Najee Harris right now, how the hell he's supposed to fail, right? Think about it. We know the Steelers are going to rush the Rock a lot this season, right? I understand you believe in Kenny Pickett. Clearly, they don't. Because if they did, they won't be running like that. Um, they they still on the fence about Kenny Pickett and his abilities and what he could do. They're going to rush the rock, right? And they're going to rush the rock with, with Najee and Jalen Warren, right? How is Najee Harris supposed to feel, right? If he's dinged up, but he can still go the next week. But it's like, all right, really? Should I really give this my all when I know I'm about to get done dirty? Because guess what? Welcome back home. This was the same organization that really got us talking about this with Le'Veon Bell. He got to be scared out his boots. If they ain't paid Le'Veon Bell, they're not paying you, bro, respectfully. You know, when you talk about Jonathan Taylor, who um last year, for all intents and purposes, wasn't a good year. Injuries, you know, injuries happened, right? But the year before that was one of the best plays in football. How is he supposed to fail? Like, I'm trying to get into the mind of a running back right now. Right. I understand. I played the role of GM so many times. I want to get into the mind of a running back. If I was a running back, how would I feel? I wouldn't be the same. I would not get my all. I, sorry, I would not get my all. You know, if I knew that I was going to get done dirty, if I'm watching this unfold in real time, like I'm not like it's going to be injuries that's going to pop up. OK, that's going to be made up like I don't know how these running backs do it. And, and like I said, the NFL needs to kind of do something about this because you don't want to devalue a position to the point where you have to literally try out people to play those positions in the future. Yeah. But um, Zach, that's that's basically what I got to say. Um, my last point about this topic, right? Because perception is a big thing, right? You control the narrative, you control everybody's thoughts. We know that. And the perception that we are talking about is that you know you don't want to be a running back, and I think. That's when you look at the Debo Samuel situation, you know, when he was dealing with his contract and they had him playing running back. They asked him to play running back because the running backs got hurt and, you know, it was affecting him. 
in his contract negotiations because they were treating him like a running back, like a scat back. Like, now, nah, fam, no, I'm a wide receiver. And if you want me to play running back, you're going to have to put some incentives in there, okay? And that's how he got his money. Lamar Jackson, same thing. Listen, okay, I want everybody to know, if you didn't realize that, um, speaking of, you know, uh, uh, a power structure in the NFL, you know, the um, guaranteed money is another thing, right? But that's another topic for another day. Everything is strategic, bro. Like, trust me, I'm not going to be booed with a fool. Everything is strategic. They don't want to give out fully guaranteed contracts. They don't want to pay running backs. Everything is in line, okay? And the perception is what's keeping everything in line, right? I know I'm going off the deep end, but I'm getting into my flow right now. You named a couple situations with um running backs that got paid that it didn't pan out. Okay, Todd Gurley. Did Todd Gurley make the Super Bowl by any chance? Was he on that Super Bowl team with Jared Goff? He was. Okay, what happened? Jared Goff did not show up in that Super Bowl. That wasn't Gurley. Jared Goff is the quarterback. He's supposed to win that game in the Super Bowl. He got shut down, right? There was other examples that you named that I could, you know, could see, like, ah, it wasn't all the running back. It's the quarterback, right? If the quarterback is getting paid all this money, he's supposed to win you the damn game. So it's not only the running back, but they controlled the perception. That's why Lamar Jackson, he was getting the running back treatment. Oh, nah, you're not a quarterback. You're a running back. All right, cool. As soon as they gave him that extension, that record-breaking contract, they're like, all right, we're going to pass the ball 40 times a game. We're going to throw for 6,000 yards. We're not going to rush the rock because of perception. So the perception is that there's no value in the running back position. That's why we don't have to pay them. And there's more money in the owner's pocket. Yes, I understand they're billionaires. And you could be like, what's the incentive to not pay running backs? Yeah, they want all the money. Billionaires don't want to lose money. You think broke people don't want to lose money? Nah, the people that lose the most money is the broke people. The rich people is the one that want to keep on being rich. Okay, so um, that's where we are. But don't and I hope that we can see something change in the future. If like yes, I think from a league perspective they might want to do something. But when it comes to the owners, like don't you think if we did have evidence that this worked? paying these running backs long-term deals that they would be more willing to do it. I think that's really the key here. I think these owners are looking at the fact that the Chiefs drafted a player in Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round last year, and as a rookie, he led the team in rushing. It, 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 it's funny because who was their quarterback? Right. Everybody's comparing this cat saying that he's the baby goat to Tom Brady. I mean, yeah. Just You know what's crazy? Because there's a narrative that happened, too. That wasn't the only narrative. You know what the narrative was before that? You can't win a Super Bowl with a quarterback not on his rookie deal. That was a new narrative. But guess what? He got the massive contract, and he won a Super Bowl. So that narrative got defeated right then and there. Mm -hmm. So perception, really, is what controls the narrative. And, you know, anytime we see anything, oh, yeah, yeah, that's why you don't do that. It's perception. That's basically what it comes down to because people were saying, if you were running a team, like, wouldn't you want to invest more in the great quarterback than the great running back? Like that's, I think that's how, look at the giants. Like that's how they, they just did it. They told us we value the quarterback more and they're right. And that's fine, Zach. I agree with you. Like I said, I understand the game. So if I was a GM, I will literally play in the confines of the game. Of course he's getting tagged, right? If I was a GM, but what I'm saying is, that it doesn't make it right. And their arguments is legitimate. Like their arguments is legitimate. Like it's strategically made that way. Like it's strategically set up that way. 
with all the changes in the CBA, right, and tag and, and the changing of the eligibility to get the long-term deal after your second year, that's why I started the way I started it. Because, yes, I understand from your perspective, everything you're saying is absolutely 100% correct. But I'm just telling you from another lens why it's strategically set up for these guys to get done dirty. Yeah. I, I would say, like, I, I feel bad, and I do, but, like, they agreed to this. Like, they signed this. Yeah, and you're right, and, and that's a great point because at the end of the day, I can't get on the mic and fight your battles. You got to fight it yourself. And I encourage these NFLPA, you know, um, representatives, when they do negotiate the new CBA, to stand on your toes and, and, and flex some muscle because we know that they don't flex muscles. The only time they try to flex muscles when, was when um, Deshaun Watson was getting handed down the hammer. And they, they had all that energy to narrow that suspension down to 12 games, but yet they don't want to look in the best interest of the league. But when it came to Deshaun Watson, it was a whole different ball game. I've never seen the NFLPA stand firm onto that Deshaun Watson 22 civil allegations foolishness. Got to fight your own battles, man. I can't do it for you. And this is where we are. And it's going to continue to be this way. It is what it is. As Saquon said, right? Please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We're, we're slinging shows left and right. Slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. It's, all ideas are great ideas. Nothing's a dumb question.